0: so this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast and that's what i wanted to tell you we should do a podcast okay bye all right done i hit it i hit record done okay I pressed
1: it. all right welcome to feature creep colin
0: Built in microwave, semicolon.
1: Um, Billy, Billy Wobble, Pitchfork, Pitch. and his lesser known short form sketch comedy. <laughs> so,
0: uh, welcome to our weird conversation hole.
1: Yes. So, the title of this podcast is Billy Wobble, Pitchfork, and his lesser known short form sketch comedy so um if you're new to our podcast welcome i'm ned and this is meg and we have this podcast that is uh how would you describe it it's a oh vanity project
2: (laughs) yes like like
1: all good art um it's a tribute to our greatness um uh, uh, yeah so uh yeah. just stuff up front uh yeah fcbm.io is our website you can email dana the ceo and co-founder of this podcast founder when I mean, she's the, mm-hmm. the the brain the brains behind the operation everything the, the brain everything. the brain behind the operation mm-hmm. um anyway uh yeah you can email dana and she would love to hear from you about what we're up to and your thoughts and ideas about the podcast or whatever you want to say um and that's d-a-n-a at fcbm.io okay i think that's all the front matter let's just get into this incredibly interesting topic yeah um so uh do you do you remember why i sent this or what this mean what what i I mean by billy wobble pitchfork
0: I do not, I forget what we were talking about at the time that you sent this to me, but I remember being absolutely delighted by
1: it. Yeah. So, uh, you and I oftentimes refer to a very particular song, um, from a band called, uh, was it domesticated, uh, Antelopes. Antelopes. Um, yeah. Right. Um, now I can't remember the name of the actual. Band.
0: Oh, for real, Tame Impala. Tame
1: Impala, yeah. Uh, the 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 song "Borderline" from Tame Impala we <laughs> we enjoy very much, and we oftentimes make vague references to it by by butchering the name of the band. And so I'm wondering if right. you can think of what name I'm butchering by Billy Wobble Pitchfork.
0: Billy Wobble Pitchfork. Is it Green Day?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is it is a kind of artist. Um this person definitely created a kind of art.
0: Was it a DJ? No. Fuck, I don't remember.
1: Uh okay, so a historical figure, not alive.
0: It wasn't Ben Franklin, was it? No, I'm no. Sorry.
1: Uh it only really most well known for their works. Um of art, of a kind. Fuck! Of art. I
0: don't remember at all. I'm gonna have to look back in our chat.
1: Okay, no, no, that's okay. I want to. You don't really need to look back because I don't know if okay. I ever. Um, I just wanted to see. So it's William Shakespeare.
0: Oh,
1: Billy Wobble Pitchfork.
0: Pitchfork. Oh, yeah. Yes, of course. And what? What is the like? So, the the
1: the. Oh, the, and his lesser-known short-form sketch comedy. Oh. <laughs> or wait. <laughs>
0: That's so great! Oh my god, I you know it's funny because Damon was just upset about William Shakespeare earlier today.
1: Really? Uh, do we? Yes. Can, can I ask? Is it is it something that we can publicly share on the internet?
0: Yes. So uh, I have been for. Um, Somewhat mysterious reasons I have been advocating rather strongly that he see the movie Romeo and Juliet that Baz Luhrmann did and he is very resistant to this idea one because he hates Shakespeare redos because he's like the everything about how this is written is like super outdated and like I don't even know why people like this anymore. And also, Romeo and Juliet is a terrible, stupid, stupid, dumbass story. Okay. (laughs) Like, the story on the merits is just a bad piece of, like, narrative storytelling like he just hates he's like he hates the ideas of like the star-crossed lovers he hates the idea of like the battling families he hates like he hates everything about the plot of romeo and juliet yeah and then on top of it he hates that it's written in shakespeare you know oh like, yeah
1: yeah in that sort of old english style yeah and mm-hmm. in
0: the in insofar as it is written in that like shakespearean style That is what primarily accounts for its popularity because as a story, it's fucking terrible and nobody should advocate for anybody to behave like anybody doesn't Romeo and Juliet. Anyway, he doesn't like the story and he doesn't like modern retellings of Shakespeare because it's just even worse than the original telling, which was bad enough to begin with. And so uh, I was talking about, we had just last night watched um, the television show Only Murders Mm-hmm. in the building and it's in its final season and Paul Rudd had a cameo and uh, we love Paul Rudd yep. as everyone does because he's a national treasure. And so Paul Rudd, uh, I was like, oh, Paul Rudd's, one of my favorite Paul Rudd characters is when he plays Paris in Romeo and Juliet. And so I was going to show Damon how perfectly doofy he is as Paris. Uh-huh. And I was looking for a video clip Especially the part where there's like in the movie there's explosions of fireworks in the sky and he like turns around dressed up in an astronaut costume for Halloween with this doofy look (laughs) on his face like he's having the best day of his life (laughs) from these fireworks Mm -hmm. and like how unserious that is compared to the rest of everything that's going on in the play right. And, like, I'm not a huge fan of fucking Shakespeare either, but I really thought that Baz Luhrmann did an excellent job with the story, and I thought that uh the characters were well-played by the actors who were Mm -hmm. employed to play them and i don't know uh, then damon came upstairs he's like what is that and i was like it's paul rudd in romeo and juliet he's like oh my god i hate this already and i was like (laughs) no just it's really good just wait and it's this part and he's like is that fucking claire danes and i was like yes and he's like ah and he walked away
1: so counterpoint um yeah i really like shakespeare and this is why so Uh, yeah uh so one of the things that I helps me enjoy Shakespeare is contextualization of it. So yes. um Shakespeare plays are like to me just like any other plays. I've seen a lot of plays like modern shit or like what's his name? Who's that fucking playwright that everybody loves? Um
0: Mamet, David Mamet. Is that who you were thinking of? Because I love David Mamet.
1: No, um no, like the one that's like everybody uh feel like he was like a psychologist Mm. or something he wrote a lot of uh it doesn't matter anyway um i've seen many plays in my life and i really enjoy going and i always try to enjoy the merits of any play um but i find that shakespeare really stands out like a good production of shakespeare just always stands out um as in a class of its own uh and i believe that the reason the contextualization of this i believe that the or for me i think what it is is that um shakespeare's plays were written in a time when theater was a different experience than what we have now when we go to a theater you shut the fuck up and you listen and you don't interrupt the actors and you um you know you for sure don't heckle the people on stage and you don't um and and the lighting is different like everything's controlled in the stage environment i mean way more than it used to be right like the sure in 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 the time of Shakespeare, those plays were put on in theaters where there wasn't electric lights, and so the lighting was often natural lighting, which meant that plays happened during the day. They happened in an open-air theater of some kind so that natural light could reflect on the actors. Um, Mm -hmm. There was no electrical amplification of of actor voices and sounds. Um, So in that context, you have an environment where it may be hard to follow what's going on. Yep um you're not going to see subtleties in acting like you can't see you can't always expect to see the expression on somebody's face yeah and so a lot more of it needs to be um, conveyed in the parts that you can track, which is the language and the, the yeah. positioning and the sort of on-stage presence right
0: So in other words, the constraints of the time period are what made what drove and what made the style of the acting and the production of the play
1: what they are right?
0: <clears throat> what they are which yep. has been decontextualized in a modern context and leads to it not being
1: uh yes and so if you whatever. think about yeah. um that that environment and you think if you're at all familiar with shakespeare works, uh the work of shakespeare like I think you know i don 't know if Damon feels this way, but like an understandable frustration with Shakespearean dialogue and works <laughs> is that it's like fifty thousand words to say yes i have thing, I would like yeah. a fruit, please for dinner like and the reason for that is because if you're in a in an environment where you're trying to follow the play but you're also having a social conversation and you're um you know people are shouting and heckling the you know and cheering and stuff the actors or the 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 player the players on the play can um they give these long monologues that say mm-hmm. very little because anytime you tune in and even only if you catch like fifty percent of it, you're still gonna understand what the point was and so yeah. you might miss the like the florid language like people describe it as florid and stuff, and I think people get yeah. very wrapped up in that and and for sure it's very like clever um but the point of it was to say have this long winded way of saying things. So every time an actor talks that expose of like what their motivations are and how they're feeling can be gleaned from any fraction of that statement.
0: Mm, Interesting.
1: Um, And so
0: you're blowing my mind here.
1: I mean, this is what I think. I mean, this is a hypothesis. I don't, you know, I wasn't there. I don't know. But (laughs) to my mind, that seems like a vet, like it, it changes how I experience the play because then when I go see these productions, which I very much enjoy going to see, um, Shakespeare plays when in any form, um, yeah. then, you know, then it's, then it makes more sense to me. Right. Because it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's weird. Cause it's like, it's hard to follow cause they're using that sort of old English. And so a lot of the words are not what we're used to and not the way you would say things. And the, the sort of grammatical structures are feel a little bit archaic, um, yeah. But the nice thing is, like, even though you're like, man, this is almost a foreign language to me. It's like, you really can follow what's going on. If you think about it in that context, it's like, oh, actually, I don't need to know every subtle word. If right. I do, there's a lot of nuance there that Shakespeare, like, weaved into the writing. Um, but also you can walk away and get the whole story. I, I can't speak to, I, I'm not a big fan of Romeo and Juliet. I think that it, I, I mean, it, I don't want to say, like...
0: It's somehow managed to become his, like, most famous play, and yet it's not anywhere near his best.
1: Yeah, I mean... Uh, also, right. Yeah. I mean, there's... Yeah. It's also, like... Um, I think, you know, it appeals because I think a lot of people do find themselves feel, you know, torn in in the world, right, in social structures. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, it doesn't appeal to people like you and I because we're like, nah, fuck that nonsense. Like, I'm just going to – I don't need to deal with religion and be on one side of a fence. Like, I'm not interested in that. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go over here where I'm, you know, mostly deconstructing most of my prejudices as fast as I can. Yeah, as opposed to being like I am gonna be close to my family and and be worried about you know the conflict that comes from their prejudice against one family and now I'm you know star-crossed lovers because I fell in love with somebody who's taboo like all that <laughs> right. shit right like you know like to most of us um you know the people that we hang out with it's like that's nonsense like what what that's just mm-hmm. like unrelatable and boring but I have you know I have friends who I went to college with who were um you know deeply tied to their family where i I was having this conversation with him and it was like he'd gotten his first job this was many many years ago and he was stressed out about the fact that he was buying his buying his parents a car like with his first kind of like that like a new car right because that's what you did your first thing as a an unmarried son Was to, first of all, you don't leave home. You stay. Now you've got your job. Now you contribute. And the first thing you do is buy your parents a nice car to prove that they've done it and their son is of status and blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm just like, this just seems insane to me. Like, I'd be like, I'm moving out. You could fucking have like, you could almost buy a house for the amount of money he was like looking to like get himself into debt for this car. I mean, what? starting. I mean whatever. It's, like
0: who where did these expectations come from? Just are culturally. Cul- cultural? I don't wanna
1: I, I don't wanna get into yeah. which culture it was because it's yeah. it's irrelevant. My point is just like he was like I was like, what are you doing? He's like, No, I mean they're my family. Like I need to, you know, and he got married to a slightly arranged marriage. I don't know how arranged it was, but um, mm. you know, it was like kind of like an approved Suitor or, or woman, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, I guess they don't call women suitors, but you know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and and fine, like you know. But my point is, like, that might be more appealing to people who are still very steeped in that that kind of cultural restriction. And I think that's why you know why Romeo and Juliet probably enjoyed. I mean, I don't know, speculation, but that could be one of the reasons why it's enjoyed Mm -hmm. the popularity it does because it does. I think also people
0: people. love getting in relationships that are bad for them. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much about it that's like you know it's like forbidden, which is great. It's you know it's so tragic, which people love the drama of it and the tragedy and the sadness (laughs) of how they you know they both die. Oh, sorry, spoilers. Um, Right. Ha ha. uh, Anyway, um, two
0: dead teenagers. Trigger warning.
1: Yeah, right. But my my take, or one of the reasons I enjoy Shakespeare so much is like thinking about it in that time, and then seeing it. Yeah. it's just a totally different play. Like the like I said, like the lighting and stuff, like it's one of the reasons that I think that um, the productions of them like they don't need a lot of set dressing to really yeah. convey so much of it because so much of it's happening in the audio part of it. um in the audio space and in the just sort of the people it's very person centric there's not a lot of prop involvement um you know it's not like oh and then it rained like i've seen productions where it was like i saw this production i was like this is kind of a shit play but man the production was out of like they had rain on stage right like real water just dumping down like from like a fire hose that was collected you know (laughs) it's like it just was like yeah the production value is like movie set style but it's kind of a garbage play. Like, I remember just being like, eh, this is fine, whatever. Um, it's
0: kind of a garbage play.
1: Yeah, because it's, it's more, like, it's so much more involved in, like, you couldn't put this play on in your backyard very well because the people aren't that focused and it'd be boring as shit if you didn't have, like, thunder and lightning and, and real water and, like, you know, right. spectacle. Anyway.
0: You're like, this is testing my bounds of disbelief.
1: Yes, right, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so, in your opinion... And you know we're not going to back up any of our opinions with evidence. We're just going to no. hold them. Yes. Uh, Strongly. Is William did William Shakespeare act alone, or or is the body of work attributed to William Shakespeare uh, actually I, a I don't, composite?
1: I don't have strong. I don't have strong feelings about this. Like I I've I've read about this a little bit, and I think um, you know the the cursory stuff that I looked at was like there's not strong evidence that that's the case as far as I've seen, but also like that,
0: which is the case that that he worked alone or that he had
1: help either.
2: Oh, like
1: it's like, you know, I'm nobody knows. Yeah. And I'm also like, not like I I haven't read every single, you know, piece of published material that's attributed to Shakespeare. Um, You know, my, my feeling is like, you know, there's probably better authorities on that. And if that's Mm -hmm. something that's important, like, that's, I I would go there. It just never really, like, I'm like, at the end of the day, if this question is absolutely, it was a single individual, you know, versus it was, like, 15 different people who got together, Mm -hmm. or, I mean, also, I think I would argue that, like, you know, unlikely that he wrote in a vacuum. So even if it was ultimately his pen, this this person, um, you know, who actually ultimately put the words to paper, versus, like, you know somebody else like that doesn't mean that it wasn't heavily influenced by the nature of like being involved in the play in the production community and like you know it's like he had actors and he had other people and he had people who were funding it so yeah you know all yeah. of these things are contributing forces i assume um i don't know i mean i
0: i like shakespeare i guess like i don't know i don't like or dislike it any, anymore like okay i enjoy seeing plays yes I enjoy live theater, but like I don't have season tickets or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there's things that I do on an every single day basis because I find them like that important to me. Shakespeare is not one of them. So I don't have I don't have a claim here. I'm not staking out a claim on the like validity of Shakespeare. It does seem to me like I don't know why, but I see parallels between. This is kind of stupid when I like say it out loud but like between banksy's work uh-huh. and shakespeare's plays like
1: oh that's so dumb no i'm sorry <laughs> you just said it seems stupid i don't know i i want to know more i am actually very it's, so
0: i'm obsessed with banksy not from the standpoint of like i'm i i have sort of a detached fascination with the entire discourse around banksy yeah as an artist, right? Sure. I also have sort of an interest in the discourse around Shakespeare as an artist, more so than I do in the individual instances of either of their artwork in the world. Sure. So, like, I'm more intrigued from, like, a sort of abstract perspective in both Banksy and Shakespeare than I am in experiencing either of their art directly.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And, like, one of the things that I think, like, I have no proof for any of this except that... I was watching one of the Banksy documentaries about when he did his like 30 days of art in New York City or whatever it was. And every single day, a new piece showed up. Mm -hmm. There's you and I both know for reasons we won't get into how much art production it would take and how many people would have to be involved Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. unveil a new street work Mm -hmm. every single day in a city of 8 million people without getting caught. Right. Especially when people were, like, hip to it and were like, we're on to you. We're trying to figure out in advance where the next one's going to show up because we know it's going to be there for the next 30 days in a row. So, obviously, this is a huge game that involves all of New York City, right? Right. So, like... I don't even know how many people live there. Eight million is just a number I pull out of my ass. It's a lot of fucking people, right? It's hard to like, and yet, because there's so many people there, it's exactly the type of place where you can just wander. 8.4. I did it right. So, like, you, in one sense, it's like you can't move through that space with that many people and pull off that many massive pieces of public facing art
2: Mm
1: -hmm. without
0: a serious cabal of people helping you
1: right right
0: and i thought you know like i don't i I and there's been some like question over like how much of banksy's art is actually banksy's right and i'm like these questions are kind of irrelevant to me Mm -hmm. like what i'm more interested in is how an individual or collective of people can be so right so much of the time and do such a great job of execution like, that's what I'm more interested in. Like, Yeah,
1: yeah. So, like, this, this <clears throat> I think... And I
0: think Shakespeare sort of fits that same mold for me, where I'm like, you... Clearly, I think, like, Banksy started out as an individual street artist, right? And yeah. is still... Banksy refers to one person. But it is no longer possible to do what Banksy does as an individual. It requires the
2: yeah collusion
0: of a lot of people right well i think that like william shakespeare's situation may be similar like i don't know i could see how he and, and at first began writing plays by himself <clears throat> and then over time like it just kind of snowballs and then it's like how does one person have that many good ideas that regularly with that high a level of execution like yeah. it just seems to me like it becomes more of a collective i don't know I, I, either that that's my that's um, that's all yeah, i was thinking so, the other day day
1: i have i have some thoughts about what you've just said yeah i think um i don't disagree with you and i think that uh on the one hand um the idea of shakespeare is like you know maybe it was one person who wrote a couple plays they started to get traction and now the production blows up to the point where it's a brand right and the idea that it's like it's like it's a style for sure like you read you know if you've read shakespeare plays like they're they're pretty cohesive in their style, right? Like every story yes. is kind of unique, but they're also, I mean, not always, but, um, you know, they have a lot of similar themes that are explored. The language and dialogue has a very particular feel to it. Good job. Yep. Um, you know, whether that was one person or not, to me, again, is kind of irrelevant. Right. Um, but uh, but the other thing I would say is, and and I don't disagree with you that I think, um that I think it seems more likely that more people would be involved in the sense of like the scope of production. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've also, you know, I have authors that I'm, I'm fond of who have, um, you know, there's this author, Ian M banks who wrote, well, he wrote sci-fi under Ian M banks and then he wrote fiction under Ian banks. Um, And prolific writer. And I've read most of his work and it's like, it's a very particular style. It's, prolific in its sort of amount of information Um, I I don't know Mm -hmm. that one could argue like I, this is where it gets subjective, right? It's like people yeah. are like sort of lionize uh, lionize uh, yeah. Shakespeare's work as like this like pinnacle of amazing writing. Um, yeah. Whereas you know, as Damon points <laughs> out, he's like, I, I hate that. this like, fucking story. Like that's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like that's more subjective. But my point is like, there's a body of work that is pretty uh, more more objectively speaking. It's a particular body of work. This e m Banks science fiction, for instance, is a particular body of work, quite a lot of it, um, and I think fairly objectively has a very common style to it, right? Like you mm. read, you know, each I, I guess. I mean, I'm saying that'd be more easy to objectively uh, uh, j- judge versus saying whether you like it or not. Um, sure. Or whether it's good, whatever that is. Um yeah. But, you know, it was it, – uh, my point being is that um, – That's where for me it's like, I think it's possible that an individual could have written all of the plays. Um, Mm -hmm. like that's not an impossibility. Uh, but I think there's I I think to contextualize it, like these plays are being written, they're being produced and performed, and that process is not a vacuum. It's not like some dude like in a fucking dark closet with a candle who just churned out this amazing work. It's like somebody who wrote some stuff had amazing success had a lot of audience feedback and you know rode that wave i assume in some capacity um which involved writing more plays for that similar concept of like having good productions and Mm -hmm. um, getting more people to attend and things like that yeah um i mean i assume i don't know but
0: i don't know either yeah
2: So anyway, I
0: was I was I was thinking about like how you um, said, you know, like, oh, well, back in the day when they were first producing these plays, like there was only natural lighting and stuff. And, you know, I uh, this is my opinion because I wasn't there. And then I thought, what if you're just covering for the fact that you're a vampire and you were there (laughs) and you're just being self-effacing so that we don't discover the fact that you're actually a very powerful immortal Mm -hmm. and Then that just made me think more about how, like, you could write a memoir about how you're a Shakespeare vampire. I don't know. I went off on a whole spiral there in my head.
1: As a fictional work of work or like.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's the next book we should publish.
1: Yeah, maybe. A historical
0: critique on the long arc of Shakespeare productions as offered by someone who's been there for all
1: of them. (laughs) <laughs> that's interesting yeah um and I, I i mean that's kind of i like that uh that's sort of in the in the vein of the idea of uh billy wobble pitchfork and his uh, right and his lesser, lesser known, known <laughs> short
0: form comedy <laughs> right yeah. exactly yes and um we could definitely do this so yeah i uh i don't know shakespeare's great Yep. I think it's super funny that, like, up until now, I didn't know that we were referring to, to Shakespeare when we were saying Billy Wobble Pitchfork.
1: Well, that was I, I did kind of ambush you there. That was definitely the uh, the trap, right? Like, I was like, oh, That's I'm going to so wait funny. till we're on the podcast to see if I can trap you right? in this garbage conversation <laughs> about Shakespeare. <laughs> I fooled you. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, I like a lot of. Shakespeare's stuff. I think a lot of the reason that people don't appreciate his style mm-hmm. of Writing is because the only contact that a lot of people have with his style of writing is either through like a high school English class, which is terrible, yes, or through like watching a Shakespeare play. And if you're, if we'll disregard the reading it firsthand to begin with, because like I think you have to be somewhat of a, a of like a linguistics junkie to appreciate the style of writing. I mean, like yes. yep. to a style to appreciate to properly appreciate. Writing and language in general—you have to be somewhat of like a geeky linguist, right? Mm-hmm. Just right off the bat, and but especially if you especially get into like deep thinking about what does Shakespeare's style mean, what does it all mean? Then? Right, right. Then, like, you kind of you have to be like in that category of people who like do crossword puzzles for fun and things like that, right? You
1: mm-hmm.
0: know. Yep. Um, and so it's like, uh. You may not, if, if you're not an avid reader, you're probably not going to read Shakespeare directly.
1: Right, right.
0: So that leaves seeing other people performing Shakespeare's work. Yeah. And if those people don't have a really firm grasp on the subtext of what is being said. Yep. Their performance of Shakespeare is almost inscrutable and unbearable to sit through. Yeah. Because you're like, yep. this makes no fucking sense the way you're play acting it because you don't actually understand what it is that you're saying.
1: Right. Right.
0: And so you lack, like, oh, I've seen a lot of people perform who lack the ability to translate the. Essence and the relevance of what was being said mm. in the context of a Shakespeare play to a modern audience. And it's because they're terrible actors. And right. they don't actually understand what or, they're.
1: Or bad saying. direction or a combination yeah. of. And yeah. Um,
0: <clears throat> so if it's like, if it's that case, like if it's, it's the second case. I can understand why a lot of people don't like Shakespeare because I think a lot of it is performed very poorly.
1: Yeah, and I like to be <laughs> honest, like my love of Shakespeare came from um I do often have season tickets to Shakespeare plays here in right. San Diego.
0: Cuz you have that great theater.
1: Yeah, so we have the Old Globe here in San Diego and there's been some great plays there and oftentimes uh what a season pass looks like is it's sort of like two Shakespeare plays and then a play that they believe to be sort of like in the same vein of, right? Like one yeah. year, um, we saw, uh, um, well, I, I don't remember. I, I can't think of any non Shakespeare plays at the moment. My, I, I'm still trying to switch context into this conversation from work. <laughs> um, but, uh, but what I wanted to say was that that's where my love of Shakespeare came from, right? Like I had yes. seen some really good performances, um, yep. cause I also had had the experience in high school where I was lucky. I had a really good English teacher. Um, and she really i mean like i it's very memorable to me when we read canterbury tales because she was so animated Mm. and loved to like see if it would stir the pot right because canterbury tales Mm -hmm. has some like quite lewd conversations that happen in it and things like that (laughs) and so you can imagine some like freshman high schoolers like being confronted with that and she'd love to like talk about what the meanings of the words were and what they actually were talking about and get people kind of like fired up Um, yes so good or embarrassed or whatever but um (laughs) But so when I went and saw Shakespeare at the Old Globe um, and I've seen some other plays elsewhere um, that were pretty good, but those were really like they're really highly produced. Well, good. They always have very good directors and um, very Mm -hmm. good actors. And it's just a really wonderful production. That's when I think and I I think I started to kind of get into the mindset of it and really enjoy it. And then also um, I think that's where I started to kind of more recently think about why and what that context of it I'd seen some people other people have talked about the context of Shakespeare a little bit um and for me that idea that it's like the way that he writes and uh conveys messaging is great for someone with ADHD where I'm like I only I can only pay attention for half the conversation <laughs> anyway and so yeah. the fact that I can I can still glean the context from the dialogue even if I missed half of it is Mm -hmm. super helpful and so it allows me to get more drawn into the um
0: that's so interesting place
1: i think um
0: i would not have expected that
1: the other thing i really like about the play uh so one of my favorites is midsummer night's dream and actually me too i think the reason i really like that is a because the characters are so ostentatious and interesting but also there's like um there's these great like there's the theater troupe that performs the um the the story of pyramus and this thisby mm-hmm. uh which is a a sort of greek tragedy or it's an ancient greek sort of mythology of ill-fated lovers and i think one of the reasons i love it is it's like rather than you know rather than it being like the whole fucking play like um uh what's the one that damon doesn't like um oh uh, romeo, romeo juliet, and juliet. instead yeah. of that it's like the act like a play within a play you get to see the behind the scenes of the actors working out that they're going to put the play on um yeah. working out the whole thing about them you know talking to each you know with their meeting and talking through the chink in the wall and all the things um yeah. and and i love that because it's like you get a taste of like like theater within the theater which i also i mean also i i played in the pit for high school theaters and i have always really enjoy the feel of like putting on a production and being involved and all of those cool. things. so yeah yeah but anyway um yeah my uh, my thoughts are just like you know like anything if you have if you can really get a hold of the context you may find ways to enjoy stuff that you didn't expect to enjoy
0: yeah that's funny I, um, <clears throat> I went and visited Stratford-upon-Avon to go see oh, really? where sh- Shakespeare lived. And yeah. two things happened to me on that trip yeah. that I remember. And a bunch of things happened to me on that trip that I don't remember. Yeah, But the two memorable things were not things that I expected to remember about Stratford-upon-Avon. One was falling asleep in the back of a hot car while oh. eating a milk dud and having the caramel melt down my throat and waking up and choking on it.
2: Oh. And Amazing. then
0: ha- I know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, so almost died there. And uh, also, um, there were swans in the canals in Stratford upon Avon, and yeah. the swans are like, "Hey, are you going to feed me?" And you're like, "No, I'm just a person standing here, swan." And the swan's like, "I'm going to bite your hand anyway." Uh-huh. And the swan came up out of the water, and I was just standing there, not doing anything, next to the edge of this canal, and a swan swallowed my arm up to the elbow. <laughs> Because it thought maybe I would feed it. Uh huh. And when my hand didn't have is, any food in it, it just kept going it up just, my arm. I guess. it just
1: went up your arm. That is amazing. Yeah.
0: And I don't remember anything else about Stratford upon Avon. I remember that swan and that yeah. near fatal milk dud.
1: So I've I've been there as well, and I um I know I know of the swans that you speak. What um, was you, <laughs> what I was did, your
0: takeaway from Stratford upon
1: Avon? I, I mean, I. <laughs> i saw it more recently (laughs) i think i saw it in 2013 gosh it could have been uh maybe it was maybe it was earlier in like the 2000s but anyway um my take was like i didn't interact with the swans um we didn't spend a lot of time right down there on the river um or the body of water that's there um and mostly we just kind of like walked through the house i think or something and I think <laughs> generally my memory of it is like, yeah, when are we going to get to the tea house and drink, have tea and eat treats? You know, like, right. even as an adult, I just was like, I, yeah, I mean, this is where are the cookies? Like, I kind but of have a I vague was... memory of it being like, yeah, I mean, this is kind of a Tudor tutor era sort of building and you know they've staged it like like lots right. of lots of historical sites where they're like oh and this is like a replica of the desk in the chair or whatever and you're just mm-hmm. like, okay <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. got it see. like you just look at the photo i guess i mean it's it's cool to kind of be there i guess and get a sense of the layout but i'm not that i wasn't that into it it just was sort of a thing to do like on a saturday right. or something totally yeah
0: yeah it's not like riveting by right. any means like as as far as tourist options it's not you know like the most
1: right right uh yeah.
0: exciting but um you can always toss in a couple of milk duds and see who dies <laughs>
2: <Yes>. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah
0: like it's funny too because i went to strata for, upon avon with like a couple of other like teenage girls and uh-huh. the person who drove us there was like one of the teachers or the principal from like a school that we had an exchange program with. And so this like nice guy who's like uh, probably how old we are now, right? Uh Some like 40 odd year old man was like, if you girls really, really want to go see Shakespeare's house, I will drive you to (laughs) go see it. (laughs) And we were like, yes. And then we got there and we were like, this is really boring. Sorry, we made you drive here. (laughs) It was not close to where we were staying.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, it was like several hours in the car. Uh-huh. And I was just like, in retrospect, I think it's kind of funny. Like, nothing unseemly happened or anything like that. Like, it was a totally great trip. And like, our school had this relationship with this other school. And it was nice. And everything was fine. Like, nothing untoward happened.
2: Sure. But sure. I
0: just kind of think of how, like, hilarious it is that, like, Mr barnes drove us to stratford upon avon to look at swans like, i don't know yeah. it's just really funny you know like
1: yeah like and get your arm swallowed by a swan
0: right like where is this man now is he like in his fucking 70s is he he must be retired from that school i was like 13 maybe he, or 14 maybe
1: when this he happened. listens to our podcast maybe uh if he's listening he could write in and let us know oh my god maybe. i mean that would be bizarre i think we i think yeah well you never know. You
0: yeah, never his name was Mr. Barnes. He was at, what was the name of the fucking high school? It was in Barnoldswick in England, which is near Colne, which is kind of not too terribly far from Manchester. It's like, it's just like in a nondescript English little town. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just this man decided to drive us to Shakespeare's house.
1: That's so funny. Um,
0: yeah, and the people we were staying with, mm-hmm. like the exchange students we were staying with and yeah. their families were like, we're not going to Stratford-upon-Avon. See you when you get back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's on you. Like
0: fuck that uh-huh. place. We're not going. Uh-huh. Uh, but so yeah, funny. that's I it's so funny because I don't remember anything about the actual experience aside from choking on that milk dud and the uh the swan. Yeah. Choking on my arm. A lot of choking on that A trip. Lot of choking. <laughs> Nice, <laughs> Yeah. It's just a strange phenomenon. Uh-huh. Uh the other thing I was going to talk about. Yes. In this conversation about Billy Wobble Pitchfork and his lesser known short form comedy. Uh-huh. Um uh it has nothing to do with short form comedy or Billy Wobble Pitchfork or William Shakespeare or any of that. Yes. Uh it's about the existential crisis that is created by the change of the seasons in Minnesota.
1: Ooh, yes.
0: And um, I'm experiencing this crisis now. <laughs> and I, I went on a shopping spree uh-huh. of, of buying a bunch of seeds online because right now it's like in the waning 80s. Like it's, it's yeah. been 80 degrees for the last week and pr- very soon it's going to dip down into the 50s during the day. And then it's going to go back up to, like, the 60s for a while, and then it's going to drop, and then it's going to drop, and then it's going to drop, and then it's going to drop. And uh, we, it's October 1st, 2nd, which means 3rd. It is October 3rd, which mm-hmm. means time, like the sands of time through an hourglass, so go the days of our lives. Yes. Uh, I am dreading potentially having shingles again this fall. Oh, so I now I feel like my time happen. is my time is numbered, my days are numbered.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Somewhere in the 30 to 45 range before I might be sick to as fuck again. And so I like panicked and I bought all these seeds to give myself something to look forward to if I survive shingles a fourth time and uh and I planted a bunch of garlic in this. So, I have a raised bed in my yard. And yeah. normally I think raised beds are kind of silly and like uh, a residue of uh unintentional and unconscious colonial attitudes toward land use.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I, like I'm being totally serious right now. Yes.
1: No, no, no. I know. Um, I'm listening. Yeah.
0: I'm just like why with the raised beds. Anyway, um we could get into that at some point. I would have to think some yeah. coherent thoughts about it first, but Uh, I have a raised bed in my yard because I wanted to contain what's in it to that bed. Like, I don't want it spreading. And it's a bunch of raspberry canes. And so I want to grow those raspberries inside this big container so that they don't spread all the fuck over my yard. Yeah. And um, I top. Yeah. Yeah. I topped them off with a bunch of compost that I ordered. And I also planted um, a bunch of garlic with them. And I've never planted garlic before. This is exciting. So next, yeah. yeah, like in June, my garlic will be ready. And then I'll pull it out and I will replant garlic in that bed the following year. But um, it's going to be great. I planted like three quarters of a pound of garlic.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that came out to like, I maybe get like 36 odd bulbs of garlic in the, out of the Bed next year, which is very exciting.
2: That'd be cool. And then I,
0: I ordered a bunch of other stuff that I'm going to try and grow in the house over the winter. I'm going to try and grow some philodendrons, the big giant ones, so that yeah. I can sell them, maybe. Ooh, fun. I don't know. We'll see. That's all. Yeah. I, I'm just facing the like, it, it's like 80 degrees and it's hot here today, and it's very soon it's going to be like, what the fuck? It was like 80 fucking degrees. Where did this fucking snow come from?
1: i was just thinking of um uh so rather than like if it's sort of gardening themed rather than like billy uh billy wobble Wobble. uh pitchfork Pitchfork. it could be like um like uh phyllis tremble backhoe or or phyllis tremble spade phyllis tremble spade
0: phyllis tremble spade that's excellent I'm writing that down. Phyllis yeah. Trumbull Spade. So, like, what is uh, what is Billy Wobble Pitchforks lesser-known short-form comedy?
1: Uh, I, like all things with this podcast, I came up with the title and I haven't necessarily followed through with the <laughs> end of it. Um, I think. Uh, i I think it would just be like oh i so when we were talking about another book that we would write um that's kind of what i was thinking is it's like we could that would be the pen name for our short form sketch comedy sort of um themed book like we could do one so like like we did with every time a bell rings Mm -hmm. the title of it would be billy wobble um uh pitchfork pitchfork yeah and his lesser known um sketch comedy or his lesser known, or his lesser known (laughs) short form sketch comedy. Like that's the full title. Yep. And then each page would have like a, um, rather than where we kind of had like not really quite rhyming rhyming couplets. um, They're for sure not uh, all of them. Some of them might work out, but that was not. uh, Rather than that, we might have like, um, like sort of sonnet form sketch comedies. Yes. So like sort of look at the sonnet, like the Shakespearean sonnets, and then kind of um, write some Shakespearean sonnets like that that, are, that could be considered like a really short form sketch comedy, right? Like yeah. um, in our <clears throat> style of humor, right, where it's sort of absurdist. Yes. And then illustrate it the same way like the same way we do. Yeah. So it's like one page is the sonnet, the other page. And then this case, rather than it being kind of the joke where you like flip the page and then you see the, the ending, it would just be on one page and then the opposing page would be the illustration.
0: (laughs) I like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah.
0: I was thinking we need to, to write another book. I was, (laughs) yeah, I was like thinking earlier today, like how can I, how can I proposition this? and be like, it's been a few years and I think we should have another book.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> like how people talk about having kids.
1: Yes. Yeah. I think we need another anchor book. Another anchor I think baby. we need another anchor book. <laughs> to really lock this relationship down. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, yeah. I feel like we're, we're, you're pulling away from me, Meg. I'm going right. to like, I'm going to give you an anchor book so you can't leave. Yep.
0: Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, So now I, now that it's out of the bag, we have to just decide which one is going to be.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, we've got a couple lined up, but this one one seems to me the closest to being able to do like our, our process where it's like, yes, we just sit down in a room and go. Um, Yeah. And maybe what we could do is, um, we could start with like writing a couple of sonnets, um, just kind of you know in our free time like messaging each other and yes. then uh when you come out here i think you owe me a trip out here at this point i do um yeah so when you we come out do. here yep. in the winter to go sailing we'll set up a- yes
0: because i've survived without getting shingles if i yes. can make it to january with no shingles i'm going to be convinced i'm not getting it yep. like it has every time, like this, the disease progression always follows, like, somewhere right around mid November. In early November, I get a weird fever. Somewhere in mid November, I start to get the nerve pain. And then all of a sudden, I've got it. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I can make it, fuck, if I could even make it to, like, Christmas. Yeah. Without getting sick, I'd be like, I think I've made it over the, like, hurdle. Yeah. So, yes, it could be as soon as, like, this winter.
1: Yeah. And so then we'll do, um, we'll just make sure we set aside a like a day where mm-hmm. we do the book production Yes, um, and we go. And then the nice thing about that is like, once we do that, cause like when we did the, um, so for those of you who don't know, we already published a book called every time a bell rings, um, and you can buy it online at Amazon and it's by uh, – so if you want to look it up, you're going to look up every time a bell rings by Disaster zaster and Ar- Arthur G. Enos. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and we really should put a, lo- a link to it on our website so we can just see on the website. But um, we are terrible at advertising and marketing and really giving a shit about being super capitalistic about this shit. Totally. Um, so, uh, but for sure, if you want to support the podcast, <laughs> if you want to support the podcast, that is the only way right now. Right. Um, although, I mean, you could
0: mail us cash wrapped yeah, you in could. something <laughs>
2: yes, yeah, yeah.
1: to disguise. Tight, tightly wrapped in bricks of cellophane. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, what was I going to say? Oh, so, so we wrote a book. So, to contextualize yes. this, Meg and I wrote a book. Um, you can buy it, it's a funny, hilarious thing that we did where we the bulk of the book was done in one day which is that we sat down at a table that we usually sat down to do the podcast at and after we'd recorded some podcasts we um we sat there and i wrote some sort of two sentence jokes sort of like where it's like it's you know on the theme of every time a bell rings an angel gets its wings except that it's like every time a angel does a thing something else happens to them right and then meg illustrated them in these lovely sort of (laughs) quick colorful childlike pictures right like very free in form and Mm -hmm. and i
0: tried to be as unserious about it as possible yes
1: yeah and uh and it's it's fantastic and so um we're talking about doing another book now and that might be to step it up where we write a sort of short form sketch comedy sonnet? Yes. Maybe or something and we publish it under the title uh Billy Wobble uh, Pitchfork. Right. His, or lesser Phyllis
0: notes. Phyllis Waggle Spade.
1: Phyllis Waggle Spade. I think um yeah, Phyllis wagglespade could be uh, I'm down for either of these, and we can kind of, you know, the other thing that I think will emerge is that as we write sonnets and illustrate them, there may be something where it's like, oh, we should divide these into two books or whatever we yeah. should do, or it definitely yeah. is more of a Phyllis Waggle Spade than it is a, a Billy <laughs> wobbles, w- wobbles pitchfork. Um, right. Yeah.
0: This is great. I'm excited about this. Yeah. So, another thing that I'm excited about, but like, is going to be a hassle on some level yes is that i hauled all this food back from france with me yep at the behest of my friend nicole and now i have to somehow figure out a way to connect with her even though she's an extremely busy person with two small children and i need to figure out how to make some of the food that i brought back with me yes that she requested that i bring and I am excited to try it, but I also have to, it means I have to go on a medication vacation because it's Van Jean, which is yellow wine that's only made in this one region in France. And so if I drink it, I have to like stop taking the medication that I'm on that makes drinking not possible. And so uh, I have to go off medication for several days in order to enjoy this experience, which will be a huge pain in the ass because of the medication thing.
1: Right. Yeah. It's
0: got to be worth it
1: yeah and people with
0: small children have plans change and stuff and so i can't like go off my meds for two days just to to,
1: yeah yeah i mean i think that's one of those things where um i mean do you well the wine will keep a little while oh yeah um
0: it's in the it's put away i mean it's fine i mean i would just argue
1: like i should come out and visit and then we can commit to a day and you can say okay If they commit, that's like that's the day that they get to do this with you. And if they don't show up, they missed out. But then at least you don't like go on that vacation and take all of this the shitty side effects of going off your meds with none of the benefit because you're like, oh, I didn't even get to drink the wine. Um, Right. That's my thought.
0: It's a good thought.
1: Yeah, we've enjoyed some bottles of wine together from time to time. We have. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, we could do that. We
0: did. Yeah. We can totally do that. This like wine I brought all the way does, back from another
1: continent. Does Damon like wine? I feel like No.
0: I mean no. he'll drink it. Yeah, but, but it's he's not, not like
1: he's not he's like never oh like- yeah, that sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, he's never like, you know what I could go for right now is a bottle of wine. You know what I could go for on this 105 degree patio with no air circulation and a person chain smoking cigarettes next to me is like a real nice, thick, heavy Bordeaux.
1: Yeah, just a really heavy, heavy Bordeaux, really Really dark, heavy red wine. bready and it's yep. heady feelings to mm-hmm. it yeah oh. yeah like as soon as you describe that to me uh just to put it into context for our listeners meg was recently in um switzerland oh and yes france.
0: but in france and yeah. in france there it's it was very hot when i was there and yeah and like human. categorically as a people the french don't really appreciate drinking water at like meals or any other time ever they just never drink water Uh, uh, and so we happened to be there at, at a time where Climate-wise, it was suboptimal to be there because it was just hotter than shit. Yeah. And then culturally, it was also suboptimal to be there because they don't drink water ever, and it was really fucking hot out. And Damon and I each drink like a gallon of water a day, like mm-hmm. no lie, without even trying very hard. We drink that much. And so we were like constantly like, "What, what's happening to our bodies? We- right. We can't, we- I'm dying. And we, ha- it was super hot, and we went out to dinner this one night at, at, with a large group of people, and there was like... Any one of the variables would have been ok by itself, I think, but altogether, yeah. it was just like one hundred five degrees heat total total dehydration,
2: mm-hmm.
0: no water to drink anywhere. Somebody ordered Bordeaux and everybody's drinking it, and it's really stinky. Mm-hmm. And there's a lady chain smoking cigarettes like five feet away. It was just like, I'm gonna die.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like I'm
0: dying
1: nightmares
0: <laughs> two two decades ago, this would have been like a fucking party sure and Two decades henceforth. I'm like, listen, I've had shingles three, possibly more times. Uh-huh. We're not even really sure at this point how to count it. Yeah. And I could really stand to never smell another cigarette as long as I lived.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, how things change.
1: Yes. <laughs> I'll never forget that time we were uh, we had done something very stressful and yes. we were just coming off of it. And you and we arrived at my house yes. from this insane... Um, experience and yes we, and we were
0: standing on your driveway and your alleyway
1: yeah and you were yep. like i really want a cigarette i really want a cigarette i was like i don't know i don't think you want a I, cigarette i think, I think, think
0: you're gonna be disappointed
1: <laughs> you, i think you had it and like you got like three or four puffs in and then you like threw up and you were like okay like, oh like, God, i done. know you enjoyed it at first yeah. like i don't yep. i get that i mean as the next smoker like i get it Mm-hmm. Um, I just also, it was just very funny cause it is, it is like that, right? Like it's just like, <sighs> uh, this is going to be amazing. But if you've not smoked for a long time and you used to smoke, it's not yep. going to be what you think it is. Yeah. Um, it turns out it's actually pretty horrible.
0: Yes. Oh, it's fucking terrible. Yeah. I also like here's something that was interesting. So I maybe had COVID, right? We we don't know because my tests came up negative. Oh yes. but Damon, yeah, Damon. Unreli- had...
1: different storyline.
0: Yeah, now. totally Sorry. different storyline yeah, as, as usual. Time.
1: This was all Damon around.
0: got COVID right when we got back from this trip where I got all this yellow wine and yeah, morel mushrooms and all this stuff, and so. Damon like got COVID and we know it was COVID because he tested positive for COVID and he had all of the classic COVID symptoms. Yeah. I got sick three days after he got sick and I had some of the classic COVID symptoms, but my test came up negative, which seems fucking crazy because I think I got sick from Damon. I don't think I got sick from anybody else. Yeah. It was super weird, right? Yep. So I don't know. Maybe I had COVID. One thing that makes me think that I did was that I lost my sense of taste and smell for several days. Oh. Like flat out lost it. Like yeah did not not a whiff not even a tiny couldn't sense anything i stuck what did i st- stick my face in i stuck my face right in something that should have been like unbearable to smell up close and uh-huh. i was like no i don't get it i, don't ha- I got nothing uh-huh. right so i was like i think i t- totally got covid one of the things that happened was that um smoking weed started to taste really weird and so i yeah. just stopped doing it for like the whole time i was sick oh know right crazy
1: how uh how did that go
0: i mean it was fine yeah but uh it was just weird because like i would choose
1: that but (laughs)
0: right (laughs) it was just interesting to me how much of the appeal was gone
1: yeah yeah oh interesting interesting because it just because
0: it still gave me the same like psychological effects or whatever but you know the only difference was that i couldn't smell the weed but i was like "Mm."
1: right interesting (sighs)
0: I don't care.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Maybe. yeah, yeah. No, interesting. Like it didn't, because you couldn't smell it, it didn't, you weren't as attracted to it as a. Right.
0: Um, do you remember that day that I got those blondies from the San Diego, San Diego recreational cannabis store yes. and I was like why are there only two in this little package it's like a, t- like a toss on package like, here you go like a side yes. package <laughs> like we'll just toss this in if you buy this big box right uh-huh. yes. but it turns out that like the reason it was such a small package is because it was the like edibles were hyper concentrated right and, right and it they was were like, like they
1: were like like a hundred times more concentrated than the normal yeah. ones
0: Oh my god! Totally, like they uh, were like
1: like so like the bag was like a hundred milligram dose and like the whole bag for two, so it was like fifty milligrams each. Right. Whereas like normally you get like. 10 of them or something right
0: just for reference yeah like if you go to sdrc or any other like shop out in california and you're like oh i want to get a bag of 100 milligrams of thc's worth of brownies or whatever yeah they're gonna give you like a bag with like 10 brownies in them like each one of them is gonna be 10 milligrams well so this baggie that they gave me like they had this sale going on and i was like oh this promotion's excellent more weed less money perfect sign me up right yeah And like we were going sailing with a bunch of people and i was like oh i'll get stuff to share and like Uh all this stuff and we get back to your house and i'm like here's these blondies that we know we like here there's only two in this little package why don't we each have one because you are like oh i'll have some and i'm like i'll have some but something about it like rightly so was just not sitting right with me and i was like but why are there only two in this package? Like, uh-huh. it didn't seem like it got tossed in for free. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, it wasn't yeah. like like a sidekick. Right. It was like a whole regular package. And then I was looking at it. I was like, oh, my God. And I think, it, I, think I realized, like, as we were chewing and swallowing these blondies, I realized the <laughs> mistake that <laughs> I had like, made.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And I was like, oh, my God, Ned. Yeah. We just ate 50 milligrams of THC. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I realized that that's about my upper limit for like it, me going out in public and being like copacetic with whatever's happening. Like whatever's going right. on, whoever I'm interacting with, I'm still cool at like 50 MGs, right? Yeah. But like I made a fatal mistake recently and I thought of this incident
2: uh-huh. with, the,
0: with the 50 milligram blondies that we accidentally ate before we realized how strong they were. Yeah. Um, I made a cake a weed cake, oh, And yeah? I was being so good this time because I usually make people comatose with my weed treats. And that is not yeah. necessarily my goal. And I'm trying to figure out, like, how is it that I always put too much in? And so this last time... I only put in several, like, tablespoonfuls of weed butter, Uh but it wasn't until after the fact that I realized that the weed butter that I had used was actually weed coconut oil, and the coconut oil I had made extra, extra strong because I was going to use it as a topical for, like, sprains and painful stuff. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm joint pain and stuff like that because it's highly those of you listening just like you can make your own salve out of THC and put it on your inflamed joints and stuff and it works like really really well it's amazing anyway I was gonna use it for that and I accidentally used it for cooking so despite my own best efforts I am still my own worst enemy when it comes to making confections with THC because I always somehow make them too strong well anyway I made this cake this is a two layer yellow like standard birthday cake right with like the frosting in between the layers and all around the outside so it was like a chocolate frosted yellow birthday cake
1: uh-huh.
0: <clears throat> It's fucking great i cut it how many pieces of cake are in a cake before you cut it
1: oh like eight? like if
0: you're gonna cut equal pieces of cake out of a, an intact cake
1: i mean from a scratch lot, a lot of it depends on the size of the cake but if you're talking sure. about like a nine inch cake pan like like classically would be like eight
0: eight pieces right yes which,
1: which then like some people cut in half
0: Okay, so Damon and I each had an eighth of the cake. Yes. And we almost died. Like, it was so strong. I lost the whole next day of my life. Really? Like, judging from how high we were from those 50 milligram blondies, I would bet you I ingested 100 milligrams of THC in one go.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: incapacitating yeah. amounts of THC. Yeah. I didn't wake up until like 2:30 in the afternoon the next day.
1: Oh, that is ridiculous. It was
0: like something out of Pineapple Express.
1: Uh-huh. It was I so mean, funny. It makes me think of um that time you we for Thanksgiving when you guys were in town yes. and we made the we made the pot cookies and yes. you ate um
0: like 12 of them or something like that.
1: Yeah. Like you just were like, because they were so good. There were those lemon cookies and you ate some. And then and then when it was time to go, I found you over at the fridge just eating right. little teaspoonfuls of, of uh, heavy straight cream. Straight whipping cream. cream. Just straight into the, like not whipped. Just, oh my God. Just yeah. straight just cream, cream. poured out of the jug. Yeah.
0: I got so sick when we made it back to Yuma that night. I vomited like crazy because mm. I think I had refeeding syndrome. Oh, really? yes because i hadn't been able to eat solid food in like three yeah,
1: weeks yeah and no,
0: because sure. i had had my wisdom teeth out and so that was like really the first opportunity i had had for like a serious indulgence in solid food and i overindulged and i think i just got super sick from eating too many calories after right. not eating hardly any for like right a long time yeah it was crazy that was so fun though
1: that's really funny
0: I, that was a moment of pure gluttony for me.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, just, it was it was really funny. It was such a funny moment, too, because I was oh like, this is, this is a very, <laughs> like, just, like, quietly, like, intimate friendship moment where you're just kind of yeah. like, you're like, oh, I'm seeing a side of you that's like, it's not, it's nothing to be embarrassed of. It's just, right. like, not something you're like, I'm going to be in public like this. Like, right? <laughs> something I oh do my at God. home by myself, you know?
0: So severely compromised, too. Like, I yeah. just, like... And I, oh my God, I can't even imagine, like, that was probably one of the first things that had brought me any comfort for, like, four weeks. Yeah. Or, like, longer no, than that even, you know? I remember <laughs> you were so, so excited
1: funny. to, like, come out and, like, hang out. And,
0: yeah, and, that was the year that we did a full Thanksgiving dinner for, like, five people. Yes. In just instant pots in your oven.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: That was amazing. We did such good, we did get such good work, you guys.
1: Yeah. It was so good.
0: Well, All right. So it's been decided. Yes. We are going to write our next book. Yes. We're going to do it probably this winter. Yeah. Because I'm not getting shingles again. God
1: damn it. Okay. I'm down. Sounds good. So I just uh, saw the research department has our uh, colors of the day.
0: Oh, what do they say? Oh, wow. Right? I like these. Yeah vestmental reminder and
2: mm-hmm.
0: undeterminable evidence. Yeah. The, okay, so the vestmental reminder is RGB value 146 174
1: 189.
0: Yes. And the hexadecimal is hashtag 9 two alpha echo bravo delta. Nine, hashtag 9 a e A-E-B-D. It's like a... <clears throat>
1: Yeah, and if you don't know, if you've got Google open, you can put in that hashtag. Um, oh, right. And, Thanks for explaining And it'll that. pop up the color for you right away. So you just put in, you just put in like pound sign nine two A E B D. That's uh, nine two alpha echo bravo delta. As it makes that makes sense. Yeah, sorry. So uh, that's the yeah. first color. And that color is called vestmental reminder. Um,
0: and if you're unfamiliar with this this uh, segment of our ongoing conversation yes. that we've Loosely referred to as a podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, we have a research team that develops colors of the day for us. And they do two of them at a time. And this is because we... Uh, take every opportunity we have to stick it to Pantone. Yes. The most grossly underperforming company in the history of human companies. I mean, that's obviously hyperbole, but so is how they talk about their own colors. So
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. So is their
1: color of the year. Go on.
0: Color of the year. Right. Like just the one color. Just one color for the whole Except year. We did
1: two colors one year after we'd published our podcast about saying how bullshit Pantone was and yes! how you couldn't have one color and make it have it make sense
0: yes and it was after art basel miami when they when the dude taped the fucking duct taped banana to the wall and then their next year's colors were the fucking duct tape and the banana
1: yes yeah
0: and i was like that's not even you didn't even come up with that yeah and the (laughs) only reason oh god i just hate them so much i hate pantone (laughs) so much so anyway that's why we have our own segment and it's colors of the day and there's two of them
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and the other one undeterminable evidence
1: yes okay so first of all what color is best mental reminder like if you're so they don't they can't plug it in they can't see it right now you're listening you're driving you're like god damn it i what's even the point of this segment well here's the point the vestmental reminder, yes.
0: It's a robin's egg blue if all of the joy had been sucked out of it.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly. It's like heavily desaturated, um, yeah. very kind of gray, but it's got a little blue in there, just enough mm-hmm. to be like, no. And it's that, it's that same sort of um, value of robin's egg, like it's lighter. Yeah. Um, but it seems it seems sad and depress. It you know, it makes very me think pastel. Of, um, you know, in the labyrinth, is it the labyrinth when they suck yeah. the um I don't know, is it not the labyrinth? Sorry, the dark crystal. When they <gasps> yes! suck the when they suck the life out of the um, Of the
0: of the Gulflings. Of the
1: Gulflings. Um mm-hmm. that that kind of that's what this looks like to me. <laughs> that's what I think
0: yes, of. it's just like yeah. kind of gray and lifeless. Yeah. Um I always loved the dark crystal but i yes. disliked the gelflings
1: of course no they were weird and gross
0: they're creepy i like yeah. the skexies yeah cuz they're, they're the like bad guys
1: interesting and fascinating and dynamic and, and
0: i like the old lady who takes her eyeball out
1: oh yeah she's great uh what's her name um i can't remember her name now yeah uh, look it up
0: mora Ma- no
1: yeah
2: uh hmm.
0: the blue this blue color of the day also um <coughs> who's the old lady in the dark crystal agra
1: agra yes agra thank you
0: keeper of the secrets yes i like agra because i always thought ooh, i really relate with those skeksis but i think i'd end up being an agra Right. if I had the choice. Yeah. I would definitely suck the life out of all of the Gelflings, though. They gotta go.
1: At this point, if you're listening to this podcast still, I imagine you're like, yeah, that tagline of two people getting off topic as quickly as possible <laughs> is very true. Yes. Um, yeah, That's so all vest- it is. Vestmental forever. reminder, kind of a gray color. And yeah. so the, uh, the paired color for today, for the two colors of the day, is the undeterminable, undeterminable evidence. evidence. Um, Which
0: looks like... Oh my gosh! It's RGB 109, 81, 66, and the hexadecimal is hashtag six delta five one four two. And uh, if you type that in, you'll see this sort of like chocolatey brown color, but it's not chocolate brown. It is the color of the fucking hanging file folders that you hang undeterminable evidence in when you yes. are a cop who doesn't know how to do their job, <coughs> <laughs> which is all cops, and, <laughs> and this is the color of the industrial file folders that you keep all of your untested rape kits in.
1: Counterpoint, I think most cops know how to do their job. The problem is, is the job
0: um th- you know what that's t- perfectly fair yeah
1: i mean two sides of the same coin uh,
0: maybe yeah i mean i no argument for me that the problem lies with the very definition of the thing
1: <laughs> and um, expecting
0: people to do it <laughs> right
1: okay anyway um, uh undetermined yeah. evidence uh it's a great color yeah it's sort of a muted brown
0: yeah it kind of looks like cartoon hot chocolate
1: yeah yeah cartoon hot chocolate yep yeah,
0: I don't know why I think that, but I do.
1: These both these colors together have this sort of like like vague pastel vibe to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they <clears> look of, like yeah,
0: they look like colors that would be mix mis m- mismatched at the paint store, and so you can get them for like the five dollar gallon. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, like, exactly. It's like
0: they're kind of like what you wanted, but not really. Someone's
1: like Swiss Mocha, and they're like, "That's way too dark. That's chocolate." <laughs> yeah someone's
0: like robin's <laughs> egg exactly.
1: blue no
0: no 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 that's not a robin's eye blue that's a vestmental reminder
1: yeah. <laughs> yes exactly
0: yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep great job guys Good job. great job everybody we did it
1: mm-hmm.
0: well should we uh, turn off our recorder Maru, until the next one
1: yes yeah thank you okay. everybody for listening and uh, hopefully we'll get this published real soon Um yeah uh but anyway um okay thank you okay goodbye okay thanks everybody